Hello, and welcome to PCUM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today we're talking with Dr. Michael Tetchy, resident physician in plastic surgery and assistant instructor in surgery at Penn Medicine, and a 2015 graduate of our DO program at PCOM. After spending five years in public accounting, Dr. Tetchy transitioned his career in pursuit of full-time academics in medicine. As a student at PCOM, Dr. Tetchy completed a one-year graduate fellowship in bioethics and served on multiple medical mission trips to Guatemala. He also founded the Philadelphia Surgical Conference, a clinical skills conference held annually for medical students enrolled in all Philadelphia area medical schools. During his residency, he recently developed a tech-based platform for at-home services and is the first person from Penn Plastic Surgery to be published in the New England Journal of Medicine. His fields of interest are broad and include free tissue transfer for breast reconstruction and for traumatic defects, complex hernia repair, and virtual surgical planning and 3D printing, among others. Welcome, Dr. Tetchy. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I mean, this is, this is really terrific. So thank, thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to our discussion. So, and I'm going to call you Michael because you, you and Please. I go back. I think, yeah, you know, I, I started probably the year while well, you were a third year. Yeah, I met you on the search committee. Yeah, we've right. You were on the search committee. That's right. Yeah. We've been, uh, we've had a relationship for a while. So you really have an interesting personal story and a somewhat roundabout route to medical school. Can you talk a little bit about how your path to becoming an osteopathic physician happened? Yeah, I, I guess I, um, and even to this day, it's like I almost can't figure out what I want out of life, like what, what I want to do. I, I keep uh, finding new things that are exciting and interesting, and I, and I, and I go for them, I guess. Uh, when, when I was in, uh, in high school, actually, I was interested in some of the sciences, but I, I'm a first-generation American. My parents are from Italy, and um, there's no physicians in my family or anything like that, and so uh, I was, you know, even since I was a kid, I was told, you know, you're going to go to law school one day, you're going to be, you know, in the business world or, you know, be an attorney or whatever. And I just figured, okay, well, that's sounds good to me. I guess that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I wound up going to college. I was an accounting major. And I, it's interesting looking back because the accounting majors, the business people, they, they took things like, uh, like pottery and whatever for electives, right? Like the easy A electives, whatever they were. I was taking biology, the human organism, health psychology, you know, and people thought I was nuts. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're taking all these courses, but I, it was just fascinating to me, just science and the human body and how it worked. And, um, but I, I wound up, that was pretty much the, is as far as I went with it. You know, I wound up going into accounting. I was a public accounting, public accountant for a few years. And uh, then my uh, little cousin was diagnosed with leukemia. And he was, he was a chop. And uh, I'll never forget the day I went to go see him. I was working at 20th and Market, one of the big accounting firms in the city. And I, I left the office to go over to chop. And it was my first time there in a children's hospital. I went up to the oncology floor. I saw these, you know, the kids, you know, little bald heads and IVs in their arms. And I, it just completely changed my perspective on things. And it, it made me realize that I needed to follow my passion. It made, I needed to go into medicine. I needed to do something to help people. So uh, I, I wound up initially thinking I was going to be a nurse. I, I, I went into nursing courses and a, 
I was doing very well academically. And a, a friend of mine who's now a gastroenterologist, he said, why don't you look at medical school? Why don't you think about being a doctor? I mean, you, you really should, you'd be, you'd be good at it. And I, I thought he was nuts, but I looked into it and it's, it looked like it was a, a good thing to, to go for. And so I gave it a shot. Um, and then I guess, you know, the, the rest, as they say, is history. I was fortunate enough to be accepted into PCOM and uh, then continued on into, into surgery and then plastic surgery. So you uh, have an uncommon distinction of being a DO and a specialist in plastic surgery. But why do you think that is? And what can be done to draw more DOs to these types of surgical subspecialties? Yeah, I, I think I think there's a couple of reasons. I mean, taking the first part of your question with why do I think that is, I I, I think it's a it's a very it's a very small community, plastic and reconstructive surgery, in, in the sense that there's about 80 programs that on average range between 150 to 200 spots per year. So it's not as big as things like internal medicine or family medicine, you know, things that, that offer a lot of, um, you know, spots for people to, to, to go into the field. So I think that, that, that that's one thing. It's, it's, it's actually the, the number one competitive specialty to get into uh, for residency. Um, but I, I think that another reason is because of, of bias. I, I think that there's bias on both sides of the aisle, both the allopathic and the osteopathic world. I think there's an old allopathic way of thinking that, uh, you know, a DO, you know, is not as competitive as, you know, an MD candidate. And, and I think that that is, you know, over the years, it, it started to go away, but it's not fully, it's not fully gone yet. You know, we need, you know, to continually break down those barriers to prove that, you know, we, we are, where every bit is capable of doing any job as anybody else can. Um, but then I think there's also, you know, <laughs> I better be careful that the walls don't come down on me at, uh, at PCOM, but there's, uh, there's an old osteopathic thinking that a DO should focus only on primary care. And I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we've, we've evolved. I mean, just like we were talking before, right? The physician for the president of the United States is, is an osteopathic physician. I think, you know, DOs are, are so dynamic and so well-trained and, and can, can really do many different things. And I think we need to embrace that and, you know, um, try to expand that for our students too. So I think there's, there's you know, those two, two sides to the coin in, in terms of why, why I think there's so few people going into to plastic surgery. In terms of what can be done, or or even any other subspecialty like neurosurgery, urology, you know, obviously it's uh, difficult to get into those more surgical specialties. But what can be done? I think, I think there's a couple things at play. Um, I think one would be expanding opportunities for students to get involved and to have exposure to the field. Um, and it's not even it's not just plastic surgery. Like I said, it could be any any surgical subspecialty. You know, if we look at our clinical campuses. Um, and the things we have at PCOM, our relationships with, with larger institutions, it would be nice to be able to, you know, have additional opportunities for students to pick from other subspecialties that they might want to rotate on. You know, I, I found that um, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon in the beginning of my fourth year of med school. So I, I thought I was going to do general surgery and be a trauma surgeon. And then all of a sudden I did this plastic surgery rotation down at Shore Medical Center with Mosud, who's um, one of our um, PCOM alums. And I, I was blown away. I was like, wow, like th this, this is plastic surgery. I, 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 I need to do this. And so I, I switched and, you know, I, I was fortunate to have that experience, but 
very few, I think very few students are, I mean, fortunate to have that kind of, um, you know, an exposure to plastic surgery. I think it's an important thing to, to realize. Uh, and the other thing too is for, for our students, it's, to, it's about developing a network. And I, I think if we can develop a, develop a network where the people who are in certain specialties can, can look back and help students to, you know, that are interested in their field to move forward, I think that would be a very valuable thing. And I think that's how, you know, we can, we can continue to move forward. Now, your, your story represents themes that I think are unique to osteopathic medicine in terms of perseverance, determination, overcoming adversity. Uh, you know, what advice can you share for PCOM students who might be experiencing their own challenges right now? I think the first thing is to do what you're passionate about. I mean, I'm a career changer, right? So for me, I had to give up a career that was going very well at the time. I was making great money. I had bought a house. I, my, my life was already, you know, in a certain trajectory that I didn't want to turn back, but I knew that I needed to be happy with what I was doing. And so I, so I changed. And I think that for any student who's going through a difficult time or facing, you know, an uphill battle, which is going to be, you know, now that the, you know, the matches are combined and, you know, the, we're dealing with more and more competition and not just in medicine, but all over. Right. I, I think you need to be passionate about what you're doing. And if you're not, then it's going to be just as harder for you to even get there. You know, you, you need to be doing whatever you're going to do for yourself, not to make somebody else happy. You, that can't be the only reason. I think passion is a, is a big thing. You know, the, the, the process of going through medical school and figuring out what you're going to do in life, matching residency, all that stuff, it requires you to be very fluid and responsive to change. And I think if you're too rigid, it'll be hard for you to adapt. So I think one of the things that, that helped me along the way was trying to realize that I'm, I'm not going to be successful in everything I do. I'm not going to always have, you know, W's in my column. I'm going to have a couple of L's here and there, and I'm going to, I'm going to lose. I'm going to fail. And I think the important thing is to get up. One, one of my, um, <laughs> there's two quotes that I'm reminded of. Uh, one, so when I was a kid, Michael Jordan was my favorite athlete. I loved Michael Jordan and I was a Chicago Bulls fan, even though I lived in Philly, like, but I, I didn't care. And so I, I, I remember hearing him say that he has missed more game winning shots than he took. And I thought to myself, there's no way. I mean, I've seen this guy's highlight reels. He's hitting game winning shots, like, like, like crazy, but it's actually true. He's missed more than he's made. But the important thing was that whenever he missed, he always wanted the ball again to take another shot, to go for it again. And that's the thing that kept him winning. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, Dr. Cerletti, my, my mentor here at, at Penn Plastic Surgery, who's been uh, just an, an incredible uh, mentor for me and many other people. He, he has given a talk on, on, on failure, on, you know, uh, failure and free flap reconstruction and, and even in, in terms of, uh, of career and, and life. And he quoted Mary Pickford and who actually, like he was speaking to his, his daughter about his, his talk and uh, his daughter said, you know, dad, this thing we call failure, it's not the falling down, that's the failure, it's the staying down. And so those two things really stick in my mind that, you know, even if you fall down, the important thing is to get back up and, and keep moving forward. And I, I think um, students need to keep that in mind as they're, they're moving forward and trying to figure out what they're going to do in life. Well, that's great. Yeah, you have a, I'm sure you got a couple questions for me. Oh, get ready. 
what can we do to stay connected to the PCM community or even the DO community at large? You know, it seems that once we get out of medical school, go on to residency, it's, you know, we're like distanced almost. And I know that our alumni department has been fantastic with, with outreach efforts and things like that, but is there anything that you would recommend to an alum who's a few years out at this point that they could maybe, you know, get involved with or, or, or look into doing? Yeah, I think one of the best ways is to volunteer as a mentor, to be able to mentor to students. Also, you know, to volunteer to speak to student clubs. Uh, you can share your story, a fellow alum with our magazine, the e-newsletter, uh, the alumni Facebook page. I mean, there really are multiple ways to stay connected to the school. Uh, you can lead a virtual workshop or webinar for other students and other alumni. We've got a very active online community to take advantages for alums all of which can be done on our website. And you can just stay up to date, you know, via social media, Facebook page, Digest Magazine, and just reach out to the office. I mean, you know, alumni can be as active as they want to. And the alumni office is there to help get you and other alums connected. That is awesome. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to go back to, you know, the friends of mine that are alums and, and, and tell them that. It, I've had a number of experiences mentoring students that have been interested in, in plastic surgery and, and they, they, they reach out and it's, it's actually been quite rewarding. You know, in, in the history of plastic surgery and, and matching, there are 10 osteopathic graduates that have matched. 10. That's it in the whole history, right? And you'll be pleased to know that two of them are from PCOM. PCOM has matched the most in the most competitive specialty of all the osteopathic schools, which is great. Uh, and one, one match this year, his name's Kevin Clifko. He's uh, graduating this year. He, he approached me a couple of years ago about interest in plastic surgery. And we talked about, you know, my, my experience and how I was able to, you know, navigate it. And honestly, when, when he matched, I felt like I was matching, you know, it, it was, and he, you know, he, he's, probably, I guess my first mentee, you know, somebody that I honestly, I was, I was so nervous, like the week before the match. And then, you know, he finds out he matched and then where, and it was so exciting. It, it, I felt like I was going through the process again. So I echo your, your, your thoughts on that and your sentiment. And I would encourage any, any alum to, to go ahead and move forward with, you know, becoming a mentor because it's, it's, it's a very exciting process, um, you know, to be able to help somebody, you know, navigate their own path. Thinking about that, right? Thinking about the, the the path that people take, and once we become, you know, in practice, is there any kind of you know a referral network that exists for practicing osteopathic physicians? And one of the things that made me think about this was, um, you know, the, the the project that you mentioned before, the one that you know got into the journal, uh, is a project that I came up with to basic basically uh, provide for patients more at home solutions and basically give them a solution to have connected care. So that way they weren't constantly coming back to the office for, for small things. And so thinking about how we can use technology made me realize, well, a lot of patients come to a place like Penn or some larger you know, tertiary institutions because they want to have everything at their fingertips. They want all of their doctors in one building. They want all of their people in the same place. They want everybody to be on the same page. And I get that. So I thought, is there anything that exists for osteopathic physicians? Let's say I'm a family practitioner or I'm in internal medicine or heck, you know what? I, as a plastic surgery resident, I've had to, um, you know, refer patients for, for primary care, even for after they leave the hospital. Is there a network that as an osteopathic physician, I can go on and say, okay, 
this is the patient's zip code. This is where they live. I can see all of the osteopathic physicians. And oh, wow, there's a classmate of mine. I'm going to refer them to that person because I know that that person. Does, does anything like that exist right now? Yes. You can do that through the online community, through the alumni webpage. Um, there's a search function for PCOM alumni, uh, DOs by specialty and region. So that actually exists now. That is awesome. And that, does that, that has PCOM only alumni or does that have like... Yeah, it's PCOM alumni only. Okay. What does the future look like for both osteopathic education and training in a postgraduate world where both DO and MD disciplines are combined? What do you see as some of the barriers and what are some of the opportunities? Oh, I wish I had a crystal ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I can tell you, just from a performance standpoint, this is the first year of the combined match. And both uh, campuses have 100% match rate. So we matched 100% of, of this year's class in both Swanee and in Philadelphia. And that's great. But the market forces are constantly changing. There, there's more and more hospital consolidation. Uh, there's more and more DO programs. There's 40 schools now, and that doesn't even include additional locations. You know, we're 25% of the graduating class of all physicians are DOs right now. And there's just not enough GME to keep up. And also, as part of the dual accreditation process, where everything came under the ACGME, some of the osteopathic programs that got approved had to cut the number of residents they had. So in orthopedic surgery pro programs, if they had four, now they've got two. You know, ophthalmology, if they two, one. So, so those spots in the surgical subspecialties are getting more and more competitive. On the flip side, because it is now ACGME, all the medical subspecialty fellowships are now available to all DOs. So it's, it's, it's almost like a trade-off and, and we'll just, we'll just have to see, you know, but, it, but at the end of the day, one thing never changes and that's the cream always rises to the top. So if you're passionate about your field and you put in the work in all probability and you're willing to persevere, and, and do what you did, you're going to get the residency of your choice. What about even after residency? I mean, do you, so I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think that there will eventually be a pathway for an allopathic physician to learn osteopathic man, manipulative treatment? Like, will that, that exist? Does it exist? That, that, that pathway exists already. What, what is it? There are a couple of schools that I basically offer, you know, a course for allopaths to mm -hmm. learn OMM. And, and the reason they do that is so that they can apply to basically what used to be traditional osteopathic medicine residencies that are now accredited by ACGME, but that have osteopathic recognition. Now, the one thing you don't get is you're not getting the holistic philosophy all through your four years of undergraduate medical education, but there are programs that do offer OMM to allopaths. And it is what, like a one or two year thing? It's, I think it's a 200 hour course. And so will they, will they carry a, a DO? No. Distinction? No. As a PCOM alum yourself, 
Uh, how has the institution changed from your time as a student to now being the leader of the college? Just it, it's more a reflection of the growth of the entire profession. You know, when I graduated, there were six schools. White coat space was not at a premium. You weren't competing with all the other DO programs, all the PA programs, all the nurse practitioner programs. You could rotate basically at any hospital you wanted to, in addition to the ones that were part of the curriculum. Electives were easy. You know, we had the MD allopathic bias in terms of residency selection, but there were more residencies available. So now we're kind of the victim of our own success. So, you know, getting white coat space, good clinical experiential learning for all of our third and fourth year students is much more of a challenge than it was, you know, way back when. And also just the environment we live in today in terms of social disparities, health disparities, healthcare, social unrest, the political environment. It's a very challenging time to be a medical student right now. There's a lot going on than just basic anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and pathology. So it's a, it's a challenging environment, I think, for our students culturally, as well as just educationally. And we're doing everything we can to, you know, to provide the support services to help everybody be successful. Has ACGME said anything about class sizes to any of the any college, whether it be osteopathic or allopathic institutions? Well, you know? ACM, ACGME is not. Now, you know, uh, COCA, who is our accrediting body for osteopathic schools, mm -hmm. you know, they are very restrictive on class size, but they have to be careful. They can't basically be a barrier to free trade. So in, in terms of accrediting new schools, new schools are always on the docket as the profession tries to grow, but the rate limiting step are clinical rotations in GME. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which is what led me to ask the question if, you know, because it seems like the overall, even, even though PCOM did very well with, with their matching process, you know, I, I believe that from looking at this past year's match that um, there were more applicants and fewer positions available than there have been in prior matches. And it looks like that's like a trend. There's like almost like a bottom Correct. Effect. Yeah. So that's that, going to that, continue. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to continue. Well, thank you, Dr. Tetchy, for joining me today on PCOM Perspectives. Dr. Tetchy's personal story of grit and determination, no doubt, has parallels to struggles and challenges we all share, particularly in this present moment. As a PCOM alum, his perspective is valuable to inform the work we do every day on behalf of our students, but also as an example of what can be accomplished when we provide students the resources and tools they need to grow, thrive, and ultimately succeed. To listen to past episodes of this podcast and become a subscriber, visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Jay Feldstein. And this has been PCOM Perspectives.